Well, I was in Manchester recently and um, curious and nosy about things in the charity sector, of course, and also where you see the public, private, academic and third sectors working together. I had the opportunity to go and see a very interesting concept that helps young people, and it's called Onside Youth Zones. And it was a great pleasure to be hosted um, and shown around by the development manager for Onside Youth Zones, Phil Philip Worthington. Philip, welcome to the show. Um, thank you so much for showing me around. I guess we should start with what are Onside Youth Zones? Hi to me, Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. So Onside Youth Zones uh, have been around for, uh, the charity itself has been around for around 14 years now, with our oldest Youth Zones currently around 12 years old. But actually, the story starts much before then. And um, Bolton Lads and Girls Club, which was set up in Victorian times um, as, as something to do for uh, the workers of, of mills and the mill owners putting back into the local community. And it went through a bit of a transformation uh, and, and got itself a nice shiny new building and was operating on a scale that lots of other youth zones nationally weren't. And it had a, a fairly unique funding model in that it had a lot of philanthropic uh, investment, a lot of the private sector locally putting money in to, to make sure that it was sustainable. And we had lots of people come and visit uh, Bottom Lads and Girls Club and say, you know, you're doing amazing things. How do you how do you make it work? And we'd often give the the blueprint, uh, the knowledge of how to get this uh, this this big world class uh, wow factor youth zone up and running in their areas. And people were struggling to connect the dots, struggling to to take that blueprint and turn it into a reality. So uh, one of the board members at the time, Bill Holroyd. Uh, one of the board members of Bolton Lads and Girls Club said, well, if we're going to do it, it looks like we're going to have to do it ourselves. And that's how Onside was born. Uh, so Onside is a, a national charity and um, we have two main functions. One is to build these youth zones. The other one is to look after the network of youth zones. Uh, and we also campaign for uh, more investment into young people nationally and, and for more awareness of the, the benefits, the impact that, that youth work in the youth sector can have. Excellent. Wow, that's um, very good. So how many of these on-site youth zones are there now? And and what, you know, tell us, sort of give us a flavour of what's in them, because it was a very fascinating um, place that I went to, and it was a big buzz, and, and so many things I can't remember what was in it. Sure. So uh, we have 14 youth zones currently um, up and down the country. Um, we have another eight in development. So our our cultural heartland is in and around Greater Manchester or, or the Northwest, um, as you know, the, the journey started in Bolton and the initial uh, set of business owners that were interested in the concept came from that area. So it's natural that their investment went locally. Um, but now, you know, uh, four years ago, opened three in London. Um, we've got talks with the areas up in the northeast. So we are a national organisation now um, and they are very big spaces. So um, they're deliberately aspirational. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we have, um, we always have a, a lovely open space that we call the rec, the kind of the heart of the building where um, there's what you might expect to find in the youth club. So, you know, pool, table tennis, there's a cafe, a space to chill out, space to play games, space to uh, socialise. But then around that central rec area, and it tends to be set out like an atrium um, with mezzanines on the, the first or second floors, um, is some of the more specialist areas so we will have uh, music production and recording 
uh, we will have well we we often have a podcast studio because that's uh, on the rise in terms of interest for young people <laughs> uh, we will have a multimedia suite where you can learn how to make and edit videos against a green screen we'll have a dance and performance space we'll have a, uh, a a sports hall where you can do basketball five aside trampolining we'll uh, have a climbing uh, wall um so that, that one's quite close to my heart because that's something i like to do in my spare time so always very impressive to walk through the door of a youth zone and see this 10 meter climbing wall at some point in the ground floor stretching up to the the full height of the ceiling um we'll have um a gym fully equipped gym um boxing ring health and well-being suite chill out spaces so we we have around 20 different types of activity arts and craft is another really popular one about 20 different types of activity for young people and the idea is that there's something for everyone so we will capture whatever it is that makes that young person tick and we might uh, ask them to step out of their comfort zone slightly but in a really supported way and we know that that helps build confidence and it helps build uh, skills and it, it helps to increase a young person's aspiration because what what we say on side is that whilst uh, talent and potential is equitable throughout the, the the young population opportunity isn't and a youth zone is all about bringing that opportunity and that experience to young people that other otherwise wouldn't have access to it and helping to unlock the potential in every young person absolutely fascinating when you say young people what age ages are you um, targeting or, or allowing to enjoy the benefit of these facilities so we say uh, 8 to 19 in most cases, or up to 25 for those with additional needs. Um, there are exceptions to that rule in, in certain areas. So what's important to say is um, every youth zone is its own independent charity. So when we when we build a youth zone, we always, always set up a, a, a charity to run that youth zone. Um, and we hand over the building and a working model um, and some money to run it. Um, so they don't have to worry about running it for the first three years. And we train all of the employees and we set up a board of trustees around that local charity with local people. So it's within the gift of that local board and over the, the, the local youth zone uh, to make decisions about what's best for local young people. So mm -hmm. some of the uh, youth zones have decided that they might go slightly younger. Uh, Warrington Youth Zone, for example, that was a, a an existing organisation that transitioned into the onside network and they uh, always work with children as young as seven. So um, they have a, a slightly different setup and you, you find that there's slight tweaks elsewhere in the network. And we tend to split that into at least two sessions. So we'll have a junior session first thing after school and then that will finish around about seven o'clock in the evening. And then we'll have a, a senior session uh, through till about nine or ten o'clock in the evening. And uh, the youth zones are open seven nights a week. No, it was just a re quite remarkable. You almost have to see it to believe it. But give us some numbers then. How many, let's say where I went to, which was uh, Manchester, um, or East Manchester, I think. You know, what are the numbers going through each night? How many staff are involved in 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 making sure the facility runs? Yeah, so hope I've given uh, the you know people a sense of scale. We are talking about big spaces. Some of the sites we work with that we build the youth zones on are up to an acre, and um, uh, you need a big team around that, um, especially given that we're we're providing seven days of service. So uh, there might be up to say eighty employees in any one youth zone. Uh, not all full time. Some of those would be part time and sessional youth workers. Um, 
And then in terms of young people benefiting, so um, across the network, anywhere between three and 6,000 active members at each youth zone uh, will tend to have around about 1,000 young people accessing these spaces each week, each one. Um, and on a typical session, anywhere between 100 and 300. So uh, 300, the building feels very, very busy. Uh, we never like to turn anyone away, and that's why we build them on the scale that we do, um, because it's all about open access youth provision. So anyone can come in, um, uh, come down and use, as long as you're the right age for the session, you can come down and use the youth zone. Um, so across the network, there's 14 youth zones that are open currently. We know there's more than 50,000 young people currently benefiting from access to one. But we're obviously, you know, our ambition and and our aim as an organisation, as a charity, is to bring a youth zone to as many young people across the country as we can. Mm. What is your role within Onside Youth Zones? Uh, so my role is in the very initial stages of uh, working up and down the country, uh, predominantly with local authorities and uh, looking at where the conditions might be right in order to um, start one of these youth zones. And um, they're not they're not easy things to to uh, to build or uh, to find funding for and um, because of the scale that they're on. And uh, it tends to take, even from when all parties around the table agree it's a good thing and we identify the money, it tends to take around three years in order for uh, us to go through all of the necessary design and planning and uh, and building to get us to a, a youth zone that's open for young people. So my job is to work, as I say, predominantly with local authorities. When we talk about um, the partnership around a youth zone, um, and, and you mentioned it at the start, this kind of cross-sector uh, partnerships and networking um, we wouldn't, as a, as a charity in our own right, we wouldn't be able to do these things on our own. So we need that partnership. And actually, that's one of the strongest bits of our DNA um, that enables the youth zones to, to come to fruition. Mm. So the local authority is a really key member of that partnership. Um, these youth zones are on 125 year leases. They're designed to be here, not just for the children and young people of today, but for generations to come because we think that's the only way that USOM can be truly transformational, can change the fabric and the culture of a place. Um, so uh, as well as the, the local authority, uh, we need the private sector because they hold the, the key to some of that investment. So um, we need some of that philanthropic giving in order to, to properly finance the youth zones. Um, it's also about young people. So they're part of that, you know, they're one of the jigsaw pieces that makes up the whole. Uh, everything we do is obviously about young people, but they have uh, a say in the, the future direction of each youth zone. Um, they, we also set up a young person's development group um, and they have uh, input on things like branding and design and layout. And then the local community is the other bit of the jigsaw. So every youth zone evolves and grows into its local community and really adapts and responds to the need of that local community. So even though we hand over... Uh, a working model, kind of three, four years down the line after the youth zone's opened, you'll see that they all do something bespoke for their area. Mm. That's tremendous. I love the use of the word transformational there and intergenerational, of course. Um, how did you get to where you are? What has been your career path to end up here? Well, not end up, but, you know, be here currently anyway. Yeah, so uh, I am a qualified youth worker, although I've never really put it to practice, I have to admit. So um, I come from a youth and community work background before that, uh, mental health and health improvement. So I spent until recently the last 10 years in social housing, um, delivering lots of community investment type programs. So that was, uh, again, about this 
cross-sector partnership working and recognizing that uh, quite often when, when when we want different things in different sectors um, by coming together we're greater than uh, that the parts make up greater that sorry the whole make up the sum of the parts is greater than the whole is the yeah. expression I'm trying to get out <laughs> um, so you know quite used to uh, trying to broker um, agreements across private public and third sectors and uh, came into one side in March of this year to do just that um, with a focus really on engaging local authorities in some of these conversations mm. Well, it sounds like a you know um, you you found something that you can be transformative at a large scale rather than perhaps on the one to one in terms of helping young people. If you're successful, you're going to be helping many many people indeed. the The charity that is looking to um, to replicate itself. This is a new build. It's based on partnership. Um, obviously, new build. You know, I presume you've got to find land. You can't work in an existing building. You you were looking to find land that can be uh, leased to allow this to be created, yes? Absolutely. So, and that's one of the reasons why uh, local authorities are, are such an important part of that partnership. So we will approach local authority and ask them for two main things. One of those is uh, a site. So we give them um, some parameters of, of the sites that we know will work. So that's about size, yes, but it's also about location. We know that youth zones have the best chance of long-term sustainability if they're in areas where young people will will go to. So uh, we look at neutrality and prominence and accessibility. And, and when you get all of those three, uh, you, you found a really good site. So we work with local authorities on, on site selection. Um, we ask, as I said previously, for a really long lease on that site with a peppercorn rent. And the other thing that we ask local authorities for is funding. So we want local authorities to, to to have some skin in the game, we call it. You know, we want them to have bought into this concept figuratively and literally. Mm. Um, so we ask them, um, our starting offer would be about 50-50 on capital. So we'd ask local authority for 50% of the, the money it would take to build the use zone. And we're able to um, identify the other 50% of the funding to build the use zone from uh, philanthropic giving, local private sector, sometimes some national funders. And then we also ask the local authority for a yearly contribution to the running costs, to the revenue costs of the youth zone. But the lion's share actually comes from what we call our founder patron campaign. So that is local businesses um, committing to, um, well, uh, £25,000 a year is uh, what most founder patrons commit to for three years. So um, we ask the local authority to continue to put into the running costs of the youth zone. Um, and that for local authorities, they see it as, as really good value. And we do have examples of local authorities that have actually increased the revenue commitment that they uh, offered at the start of the, the youth zone's journey um, because they see, for example, savings elsewhere in the system. Mm. We know that it has an impact on things like school attendance, uh, school attainment as well. School schools tell us that grades improve. Um, we know it has an impact on things like antisocial behaviour, um, on young people uh, getting involved in in violent crime and as victims of violent crime. Uh, we know it has an impact on health uh, and well-being. So uh, once local authorities are um, really embedded in that partnership, and there's often someone on the board of the charity from the local authority, they start to be able to really see the the impact and understand the value.
No, it's tremendous. I was going to ask you about the impacts and how you measure them and can you or do you monetize them? Because clearly, you know, I think the concept nobody would disagree with, but the power and the depth and the width of those benefits that you've um, you've mentioned are absolutely key. And I'm sure they're key when you're starting discussions with a new local authority, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So um, we've commissioned various bits and pieces of of studies to be able to present, not just to local authorities, but nationally as well, when we're we're doing that campaigning piece around the value of youth work and how it can be transformational for young people. Um, And and really, it it focuses on uh, a real strength of of youth zones is uh, around confidence and well-being. So it focuses more recently on the fact that we know since the pandemic um, young people are increasingly anxious. In fact, a piece of research we did, we conducted as uh, on site, uh, told us that over half of young people are feeling either high or very high anxiety. Um, we also know that over three quarters of young people from that same bit of research uh, spend most of their free time at home alone. And similar numbers are spending that free time on screens. Really? So, um, what we essentially try and do is is to give young people an alternative but but it has to be a really high quality really uh desirable offer in order to be an alternative to uh being able to sit at home on you know a phone or a laptop or whatever it might be um because that's the the easy thing to do for young people especially if you're feeling anxious mm-hmm. so um that's where this wow factor comes in and another kind of really important part of our dna yeah, well, wow, wow, uh, and what a wow factor it is in indeed. So, in terms of development, then you've got fourteen or eight, I think you said in um, in development here. You know, how do you grow, and how do you does the, your charity, the central charity, get funded? So, um, the central charity has a fee for bringing one of these youth zones to fruition. So that comes out of the um, the joint funding between the private sector and the local authority. We also have uh, quite a number of um, people interested in, in what we do and, and put in core funding to the charity. So some national charities, Garfield Western, for example, um, and some big kind of corporates as well um, that, that offer us some core funding. Um, uh, it's, it's obviously a, a constant battle. Um, as any charity will know, uh, anyone that survives on, on grants and trusts will know that, you know, this is uh, something that we need to be looking at all the time. That there's no let up for that. And that's true of youth zones as well. So although we provide them with the first three years of uh, their budgets that they need to, to run the youth zone, uh, the work starts uh, on day one for the funding from year four onwards. And there's a constant uh, activity around raising the the required funds in order to do that but that's uh, I think partly where uh, really high quality skilled employees come in mm. so we uh, spend a lot of time uh, recruiting the best fundraisers we can find and we put a lot of emphasis on the importance of fundraising and just how uh, how skilled a role that is so um, we have uh, fundraisers within the the on-site national charity um, but we also uh, recruit into and have permanent roles for fundraisers in each and every youth zone as well. Oh, it's it's very well thought through indeed. And you know, in term, are you waiting for local authorities to contact you, or are you sort of scanning the horizon, looking at areas uh, where these could potentially fit? Then um, a bit of both. So we're always up for a conversation if people wanted to get in touch. 
Um, but as well as that, uh, we need to be really proactive because, you know, I've given you an idea of the the scale of these projects and, and how difficult it can be to uh, to get them off the ground sometimes and how long the journey is. So um, we target areas actually where we think a USOM would have uh, the greatest chance of success, yes, but also where it would have a, the, the greatest impact for children and young people locally. So we look at areas where we think that children and young people might not have access to the same opportunities as their peers. So look at things like household income, look at things like educational attainment. Um, we also want there to be lots of young people in the local vicinity. So we look at population as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will uh, actively seek out local authorities where we think um, there's there's a good opportunity to, to bring a USO into their area. Um, and if there's uh, funding opportunities, so we've had the Youth Investment Fund uh, from the Department for Culture, Media and Sport recently, and Onside has been able to accelerate, uh, I think, five or six youth zones as a result of that Youth Investment Fund. Um, we've also got levelling up funding at the moment, and we're looking with a few local authorities at whether or not we could use some levelling up money in order to bring uh, a youth zone to town centres uh, as part of their wider regeneration programme. Um, we know that local businesses and local residents after a youth zone is opened report that uh, more people come to the area, people feel prouder about the area, increases the footfall, it's a better place to do business. So that's in keeping with the themes of levelling up and trying to regenerate high streets and town centres. So um, that's one area where, where we're looking to be able to develop as well. Well, absolutely remarkable. As I say, the energy, the buzz from the one I went to visit was um, you know, palpable in so many ways. I'm hoping to take uh, a few colleagues to have a look um, at Barnet or Wolverhampton, I think you said, were the closest to us. But, um, Phil, thank you so much for sharing that. Are, are there any contact details? If anybody wants to find out more, what are the contact details or where would you direct them in terms of a website? Yeah, so um, you can go on our website, just type in Onside Usones and you'll find it. Uh, or you can email me. So uh, my email is philip.worthington, and that's two L's in philip, at onsideyouthzones.org.uk. Bit of a long one. So philip.worthington um, with two L's in philip at onsideyouthzones.org.uk. Yes? That's the one. Uh, and you can Google Onside Youth Zones. So if anybody is interested, um, given that I do a lot of work with children's charities, et cetera, I'd be very pleased personally to hear from anyone that thinks this is something that they'd like to uh, to know, learn more about. But um, Phil, meanwhile, thank you so much indeed. I know that you're coming to Northampton on the 13th of October for an event, which will be to, to, to talk about cross-sector social partnerships, of which this is an absolutely wonderful example. So um, we look forward to seeing you that day and let's see in, if we can have a arrange a few conversations for you, um, at least to extend the depth of knowledge that we have here in the county about Onside Youth Zones. So you've been listening to Phil Worthington, Development Manager for Onside Youth Zones, really quite um, a remarkable challenge uh, charity that addresses many of the challenges that society has and, of course, helps and supports young people build their self-esteem and their confidence. Phil, keep well, keep safe, keep up the good work, and we look forward to seeing you on the 13th of October.